Hey everyone, this is Brian with Church in the Loop, and I'm excited to have you with me as we look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And today I want us to look at the kind of freedom the Lord gives us to follow Him in three ways that that impacts our lives. Uh, impacts us in tons of ways, but we're going to look at three biggies today. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to join in your word together. I pray that as we do, our hearts would be challenged, our eyes would be opened, and we'd be encouraged, and we would see how to live for you in greater depths and greater commitment, not out of a sense of duty or frustration or even fear, but out of a desire to walk in the freedom that you have for us, the freedom that you have given us, Lord, that is our greatest treasure, our greatest prize, which is because it comes from your heart, yourself. And so I pray you would open our hearts now in Jesus' name. Speak to us, Lord. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, I, and I may have mentioned this on an earlier sermon, so sorry if I'm repeating myself. So you ever do that? Do you ever like tell somebody something and then you're excited because you're so excited about it and then you forget who you've told and then you wonder, did I tell this other person already? And then you go tell them and they're like, yeah, you already told me that. I'm like, oh, so I'm sorry if I'm telling you this in duplication or whatever, but I, I'm really still very excited about it. So a few weeks back, we were finally able to pay off our student loans. Now, I want to put that in context for a second, all right, and get a little personal with you guys. Um, our student loans have been with us a long, long time. They go back to college and then also when I went to seminary to get my degrees there. So um, these are things that we've carried with us for many, many, many years. In fact, we've carried them so long, this, these student loans, that we have literally raised two sons to adulthood. Now they're in their mid-20s and seen them get their student loans paid off while we were still paying ours. That's, that's how long this burden has been with us. That's how long that this has been a part of the fabric of our financial lives. Now, a couple weeks ago that changed. We were able to finally pay them off. Now, I, I just want you to know what a relief that feels like. Um, maybe some of you are out there and you're still like, Stop talking about it because it's making you depressed because you're still paying on your student loans. Or maybe some of you are thinking about student loans. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm serious. I remember when I applied, they're like, oh, it's just like a telephone bill. Yeah, like for a new iPhone with all the add-ons and you're calling China every day for a dollar a minute. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute. Um, so... I would encourage you, please avoid student loans if you can. Avoid debt if you can. There's, the scriptures talk about when you are enslaved to debt, you're a, a servant to the person you're, 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 you owe. And it's very, very true. Now, I know we live in a modern society where, you know, not many of us can go buy a car and just write a check and pay for the car. Um, we have to go into some measure of debt. And debt is a tool. I'm not, uh, I'm not here to tell you that debt is not a tool. How else would you buy a house? Um, how many of us can go and spend one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars for a house or more and just write a check? I mean, that's something we we just 
very few people can do. Um, so debt is a tool that we can use to overcome obstacles like that. So anyway, I'm just so encouraged because, yes, I, I have other debts that I'm paying down. This is, this is our year. We're trying to really um, tackle our debts. And so we're off to a good start, thank God. Um, and now that the, the student loans are paid off, now we can focus on credit card debts that we're um, paying down and hopefully going to get rid of too. And we're trying to be as aggressive as we can. Now, I want to say this. The reason it gave me so much encouragement is <clears throat> I'm not really like looking at my credit score. I mean, sure, that's important. And, and your credit, credit, credit score is something you should pay attention to. I know what it is, but that's not my motivation. My motivation was I just I'm tired of carrying these burdens. And we were finally able to be free forever. Um, I remember when our youngest son paid off his student loans a, a few years back, and I told him, I said, you just gave yourself a present for life. That loan will never haunt you again. It is forever gone, forever gone. Now, if he chooses to go max out his credit card today, that's a different story. Uh, he's really good with money. He's not going to do that. But my point is, is that debt is paid. It's gone forever. It's a great feeling. Uh, in fact, some people, when they pay off their houses and stuff, they actually they might burn the, the bank paper, you know, just as symbolic of that final note of I burned it because we are done. It's paid in full. It's a great feeling. So I, I just want to share this because, and, and this sounds, I don't mean to be dramatic, and, and again, I'm not trying to uh, brag or anything because we're still, hey, believe me, we're still got a lot of debts we're paying down. But my point is, I told my wife the other night, I said to Beth, I said, I feel for the first time in decades, in decades, I hear that word, decades, I feel financially encouraged. I feel like, wow, you know, this is, this is like, it's like walking with a limp for decades and you just, it's like you almost get used to having the limp. You just expect it every day. Uh, and then one day you walk and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not limping anymore. Uh, that particular limp is gone. <laughs> and it's just such a, a joy. It's like, wow, it's a freedom. Well, that, and, it, and and the other thing too, the other side of this freedom that I'm experiencing in this is <clears throat> I'm I'm finding myself more mindful of my spending so that I, I can get out of these other debts that we have. Now that I feel like we got the ball rolling, Let's, let's keep this momentum. Let's pay off these credit cards. Let's pay off whatever else we have. Let's attack it with a vengeance. Let's really go after it. And I feel encouraged because for so many years, it almost felt like it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter how hard I worked, how hard I tried. That debt was just always there. And we couldn't get rid of it. And then now it's like, boom, it's gone, forever gone. And so I, I'm just encouraged and then I'm reading this passage of Scripture today of how Jesus sets us free from our sin in the same way. And just as I have felt that emotional freedom in this last few weeks of just paying off those student loans, and, and just as it's motivating me now to be like, hey, um, you know, I don't need to buy that thing that I was going to buy because guess what? That if I don't buy that, that's more money I can throw at these other debts. Let's let's keep this momentum going. Let's get out of, let's get this 
these thing these things out of the way I, i'm starting to feel encouraged in the same so that freedom is motivating me towards greater freedom towards greater freedom in my life eventually okay and so that is the picture that i want you to see in our text today jesus has removed the debt of sin that we owe the 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 debt of justice that we owe god because of our sin has been paid by christ it is forever paid that should in turn motivate us to walk in greater and greater freedom in our daily lives that's what i want us to look at today so this can be your reality and i think this is the heart of what it means to follow christ what it means to follow christ is you're not just following him for his example and and the fellowship you have with the lord but you're also following out of a sense of freedom and you desire for to for that freedom that has been declared over you to be saturated into greater aspects of your life more and more aspects all the nooks and crannies so that every part of your life has been is being touched and transformed by the freedom that Jesus gives us on the cross for our debt sin to God forever okay so that's that's where I'm going to in today's passage and I want us to look at three ways in which that occurs so we're looking at Galatians 1 now this is one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote and we don't quite know the exact circumstances of it um, but he's writing to uh, these Christians and he's trying to encourage them in their faith and he's he's really the whole point of the letter is you know you have this freedom in Christ let's walk in that don't don't for, let that motivate you to walking more and more with Christ every day and, and reflecting his character to the world around you and so he he's constantly hitting on that theme in in Galatians among many others but that's that's a really strong theme in Galatians what I want to do though is before we look at the text I just want to give some background on Paul Paul used to be a guy named Saul, um, and then he had this, Saul was this, uh, he was a, a staunch Jewish conservative leader, um, rabbi in training, um, highly educated, had the equivalent of probably three PhDs, and was well-liked and well-respected uh, by the religious establishment of the day when the early Christians hit the streets with the message of Jesus and freedom in Christ, forgiveness in Christ, that caused a real problem for the religious establishment. And the reason being is, if you have freedom in Christ from your sin and, and you experiencing this on a personal level, then tell me, are you still gonna go to the temple and offer sacrifices? No, because you're going to see Jesus. You may still go to the temple and pray and celebrate religious holidays, but you're not going there out of a sense of, I need forgiveness, so therefore I'm going to buy this lamb that will be sacrificed at the temple for my behalf so that I can be in good standing with God. Now Jesus takes center stage in your life. He's done all that. So you don't need to be spending that kind of money anymore. So now you've got a financial hit on the religious establishment and institutionalism of the day, the temple. And also, 
if Jesus is your Lord and your Master, your Savior, then you're looking to Christ, not so much the religious leaders anymore for direction. And so that's causing a political hit to the religious leader, leadership of the day. And they were trying to keep Rome happy to leave them alone. And so if you have this new religion on the scene called Christianity that's causing financial disruption, that's causing a sense of political disruption, it's the religious people of the day, the, the Jewish leadership, is becoming very nervous and scared and threatened because they don't want Rome, they don't want to lose their good standing with Caesar, who kind of lets them be. And now that's all in jeopardy. So you can see there's, there's a lot of uh, ripple effects. It's like when you throw a rock into the water, you know, and it bloop, goes down the water. It doesn't just go bloop. <laughs> it has these little waves that go out. That's what happened with Jesus' resurrection is Jesus was that, that proverbial rock, which incidentally is kind of a, a pun there because in Hebrew the word for um, stone is eben and the word for sun is ben. And so um, Jesus is that, that stone, that sun that changes everything. And the ripple effects of the day go forward forever from him. So it's, I didn't mean to throw that pun out there, but there you go. Okay, anyway, so for Paul to be somebody who is fighting to maintain the religious status quo and to protect it, he is, and he's rounding up Christians, he's having them put in jail, maybe even some, and some even killed, um, that, what would it take for someone like him to switch teams? What would it take for someone like him to all of a sudden abandon all of that and give his life to Christ? To join the team that he was trying to basically kill? To join those people? That's what's happening, and that's what happened with Paul. And it, it was such a drastic change that his name was changed from Saul to Paul because he went he just had a 180-degree change in his life. And it's an incredible story of how Jesus can change anyone, including you, including me. So when Paul writes in Galatians, he's writing from this standpoint of, I have switched teams, and as such, I know that now my life is in danger, just like all these other Christians' lives are in danger. And not only that, not only did he switch teams, now he's trying to help the other team win. And he's trying to get more people to join. And he's becoming a leader in this movement. He's an apostle. He's seen as a leader. So this is huge. For him to, I just, because I know sometimes, especially for us that have grown up reading the Bible, it's easy to, to read about the Apostle Paul and just, you know, it's, it's no big deal. But you have to let that sink in, the radical change that this, this man had experienced to become the Apostle Paul. He literally left everything behind to do this, and it cost him dearly. In fact, one day it would cost him his very life. He was killed for his faith. So this is someone who truly has been changed in the deepest, most meaningful of ways possible by the Lord. So let's look at this passage and let's see the, the freedom that Christ gave him that he wants us to experience as well. This, and so in Paul's writing this, he's, 
he's he's showing this some of this freedom and he want he's like look guys i want you to have this too so let's read on here it says paul an apostle sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities but through jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and all the members of god's family who are with me to the churches of galatia now i just want to pause there for a second again keep in mind this he used to think that Jesus was a heretic. He used to think that Jesus was a liar, a lunatic. And now he's calling Jesus Lord. He's basically saying he is right there next to God the Father. I, I mean, for a Jewish religious conservative to, to get to that place, I mean, that's a radical change. That, that I, I'm trying to think of a modern-day equivalent um, I mean, that is as, as radical as you can think of. I mean, that's the equivalent of basically like imagine Donald Trump, former president Donald Trump, becoming, waking up tomorrow and saying, I've had this light bulb moment. I was wrong on so many things. In fact, I want to become a Democrat and I want to become Joe Biden's biggest supporter. Now, miracles can happen, right? But for that to happen, people would think he's crazy. People would think, I mean, for somebody to switch like that, I mean, you, you seldom see that happen in the world. But when it does, it, it, it gets everybody's attention. And, and it creates enemies. But that's exactly what Paul did. He, he switched, and he's like, I really want to get behind Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer for all of our problems, even our deepest ones, and I really want to get 110% behind Jesus Christ. That's what I want my life to be about. Not me anymore, and not what I thought was right anymore. So that's pretty powerful. And he says in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the... Gentile greeting in Bible times was grace. The Jewish greeting was peace. So now you have Jews, Gentiles and Jews coming together, all centered on Christ, which again was something unheard of back then. You, they didn't mix like that, not, not religiously. And so for, yeah, sure, some Gentiles went to synagogues, but and they were called God-fearers. But by and large... For Jews and Gentiles to mix as one people, as a new people united in Christ, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. That's a radical new thing. And he says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So now Jesus is Lord. That's amazing. Who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he clearly says, Jesus came. He gave himself, why? For our sins. Why? To set us free from this present evil age. And what he means by present evil age, he just means this broken, fallen self in a broken, fallen world. 
In other words, we are not defined by our environment anymore, and we are not defined by our own brokenness anymore. We are now sons and daughters of the King. And we are set free from our debts to serve the King as members of royalty, as members of his family. That's radical. That is, I, I mean, if you hear nothing else from me today, let, let it sink in that Jesus gave himself for your sins. And he did it once and for all to set you free from being the old you. So that right there is huge. That is, that is your debt being forgiven. That, that's a debt that none of us could pay. That's so much greater than student loans. That is life loans that you owe forever to God. And he's saying, I paid that. I paid it with my son on the cross so you don't have to anymore. You, That debt against you has been marked as paid in full by the blood of Christ. And to seal it, God raised him from the dead so that we could walk in newness of life. Because it, it has that there in verse 1. It says, it says God raised him from the dead. So it's, it's a done deal. It's not like we hope it happened. It's done. Your, your debt is buried and gone. Completely gone. Now, what are the three ways that we can walk in freedom from this? And I, I know there's many, and, but I just want to give you three big ones. Number one, Paul wants us to see that we walk in freedom from the power of sin's dominance in our lives. Now, notice I said sin's dominance and not sin's presence. There's a difference. On this side of heaven, we still are broken people, being healed by the Lord, walking in a new identity, but we're still not perfect. We still have sins that we commit or ones we don't even realize we commit, but we, we still have selfishness. It's, it's not to control us. It's not to define us. It's not to dictate to us what we're supposed to be and do. But we still have those sins of looking out for me first, of being harsh to our neighbor, of not always walking in love towards God and others. Okay, We do. In other words, can you say that you are keeping all Ten Commandments perfectly today? No, I doubt it. Um, maybe you can keep them better today than you did yesterday, which is good. But none of us are keeping them perfectly. If that were true, then that would mean we've reached perfection. And I don't believe the scriptures teach that until we get to the other side of eternity. So in this life, we do struggle with that sin presence in our life, but it doesn't have to control us and it doesn't have to dominate us. Now let me give you some verses on that. Romans 6 is a beautiful passage of scripture that talks about this very idea. And when you go there, I want to point out a couple of verses. Romans 6 verse 4 says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So just as Jesus was raised from the dead and given this new life, this resurrection life, 
God the Father has given us through Christ resurrection life for any situation we face. In verse 6, it says, We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. So the, the point there is, your old selfishness, your old you, was put on the cross. All of your old sins put on the cross. So that we can walk in this newness of life. But it's a newness stumbling forward at times. It's a newness of discovery and growth. It's kind of like when God led the Israelites into the promised land. There's a passage there that says, where God says, you know, I led them little by little. Not giving them the whole land at once. Because they weren't ready for the whole land at once. They had to conquer it piece by piece. And that made them stronger, and that made them rely on God more. And they had stories of faith with the Lord, like David and Goliath and others. They wouldn't have had those stories if they just walked into this brand new promised land with no battles to fight. So God gives us battles to fight. He promises us victory. But there's a fight. There, that you, you have, there is a struggle in His power to overcome. But we can and so Paul wants us to understand that we in Christ have we are freed from the power of sin's dominance over our lives. Whatever sin is in your life, it doesn't have to dominate you. And what I mean by dominate you is tell you what to do, control your thoughts, control your urges and passions and all those things. It doesn't have to have that kind of power over you anymore. By Christ's power, you can break it and say no to it. And, and that's the beauty of walking in Christ, in freedom. It's, it's kind of like, again, I paid off my student loans, thank God. Now I'm tacking my credit cards, okay? Now, today, I could go online and load up my credit card with a bunch of stuff. And that would be counterproductive getting out of debt. It's like, Brian, why would you do that? You, you're fighting to get out of debt. Don't put more on that credit card. Don't, say no to that urge. Don't do that. Now, and guys, hear me on this. Like, I love to shop. I think it's fun, okay? But say no to that. You don't need those shoes. You don't need that jacket. I've already got enough, okay? So that's the same concept here. The concept is don't add to your sins power. Fight against it, and every day get the edge even more against it. The second thing that Paul wants us to see that we have freedom in Christ now with is freedom from ignorance about who Jesus really is and who God is. It, Paul was ignorant. He, he was, when he was fighting against Jesus and the, the early Christians, he was fighting out of ignorance. He was believing lies. He was misguided. He was uninformed or misinformed. And when he had this encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, just that one moment cleared all that up. Now, he had to learn 
In fact, it says in the scriptures that he spent years studying after that to go, wait a minute, my software system just crashed. And I have this new operating system that's based on Jesus. i got to figure out how to use this. What, what is this all about? So he did take some time to study, to grow, before he launched into ministry. But he was set free from the darkness of not knowing who Christ was. And it started with knowing Christ personally. I want to encourage each of you to ask Jesus to reveal himself to you in a personal way. In a way that is unique to you and him together. And then walk in growing in the scriptures. Study the scriptures. Read Christian books. Be challenged to, in your understanding. Grow. But, it, but don't let the learning substitute for that walk with Jesus of knowing him personally. The greatest change for Paul was not what he learned, but who was teaching him. And it was Jesus. And Jesus took him by the hand and said, I will be your teacher. And I want to encourage you to have that same mindset of Jesus, be my teacher. I'm running to you. I need you. And, I, I, and it was because Paul had that personal connection with Christ that God gave him. And if, you, if you're missing that, ask for that. God longs for you to have that with Jesus, his son, that personal connection. He really does. And ask others to help you with that because that's one of our greatest treasures is that Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He's not just the shepherd of the sheep. He wants to be your shepherd because you are part of the sheep. And then there's one more freedom that I want you to see. So we, we have freedom over sin's dominance. We have freedom over ignorance. Um, and a good example of that is the current pandemic we're in. There's been a lot of learning. This pandemic fell upon us all fast. And in the scientific community at first they said, ah, oh, we don't need to wear masks. Then they switched gears and said, you know what? I think masks help. They do. And so now masks are seen as effective tools to help mitigate or reduce the risk of passing on or getting the virus. They're not 100%, but they greatly help. Same with social distancing, washing your hands. And now we have the vaccines that we're trying to get out to everyone. The point is, is there's been a learning curve. There's been, at first there was a lot of ignorance. But now that that ignorance has been dispelled by fact, we move forward with truth. And it's the same that God wants to do in your life. There's ignorance in your life that needs to be rooted out. I promise you. Why? Because we're not perfect. None of us have arrived. Ask Jesus to help you with that, and he will. You probably don't even know where it is. But Jesus does. And he'll, he'll help you. He will. And then I want you to see freedom to serve. Paul was made an apostle. The word apostle means one who was sent in fact, in ancient Greek, it was the word used for sailor because a sailor was driven, he was sent across the ocean on a mission, a voyage. And it, that word was adapted later and used as an ambassador. And then the Christian community took up that word and said, you know, that really describes, that captures the spirit of what it means to follow Christ is we are the ones that are sent 
on his behalf to others who need to hear about him. And Paul says, I am now one of those guys. I'm an apostle. I'm sent on a mission. And the mission is not Paul. The mission is the message that Paul is carrying. And I want you to see freedom in that. Because at some point, the evil one's going to come tempt you and say, you are a faulty message. You don't live up to the ideals of Christ. You don't measure up. You made that mistake again. You need to stop trying to live for Jesus. Who's going to listen to you? You're a hypocrite. Now, it's true. We can stumble. We can fall. We can even be hypocrites. But we get back up, and we keep running the race. I like to run. Um, Usually about once a year on a run, I slip and fall. Sometimes it's on ice or snow. Or sometimes I just hit a crack in the sidewalk and it gets me. I've seen other people do the same thing. And everyone always has the first reaction. I know I do. You fall down and you, you first feel embarrassment and you look around. Before you even assess if you're injured or not, you, you, your main concern is, I don't want people to freak out and think I'm hurt. That's like the first thought. Then the second thought is, am I hurt? <laughs> you know, am I okay? But at first, you're just kind of embarrassed. But you get up, and you keep going. It, it'd be silly to say, oh, I'm just going to take off my shoes. I'll just hang my head in shame now and just quit being a runner. I mean, that'd be silly. Get up. Get back in the race. Get running again. I remember years ago, I went home for lunch. And behind our apartment, we had a a barbecue grill. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun on this lunch break. What if I just grill up a couple hot dogs? I don't know. I was in the mood for hot dogs. And so I threw a couple, got them out of the fridge, threw them on on the grill. Now we had a gas powered grill. And ours was old, and you know how they are, and they're old and rusty. They, you know, it was one of those. So I turned it on, and it had a button you push. And the button was would cause a spark that would ignite the burners because it was natural gas coming out. Of, it was propane coming out of the, the tank. And I could smell it, and I could hear it, you know, coming out of the tank, filling up the grill. And I'm clicking the button, click, 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 click click, click, and it's not producing the spark to ignite the burner. And I'm just standing there like, this is really frustrating. Click, 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 and nothing. And so I go inside the house. If I remember right, this is years ago, but I go inside the house, I grab a a lighter, like one of those long ones you use to light candles. I come back out, and I give it a click of that. Well, you can imagine by now, the grill had been filled with gas. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it it was a big explosion, like, boo! And it literally singed, it blew up in my face. <clears throat> and I remember, I, I my face was burned, not enough to send me to the hospital, but my eyebrows above my eyes were singed. And the first thing that I did as I looked around to see if anybody saw me, I was so embarrassed. Nobody saw me. I felt my face. My eyebrows were all burned feeling like they were gone. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, 
I might as well finish eating these hot dogs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on grilling them. No stopping now. And I did, and I ate them for lunch. Then I went back to work, and my coworkers were like, "What'd you do?" <laughs> but the point is this: you're gonna slip and fall. Okay, we're human. We still make mistakes. Get back up and run your race. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, I love this passage. He said, forgetting what lies behind, he said, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Okay, so you fell. You get back up and you keep running the race. You keep running the race. That's what it means to live in grace, is you keep running the race. I want to close with this thought. Um, I love that word that it uses here in Galatians about how Christ came to set us free. Because the word for set us free there is a word, it's a compound word. It has the word ek, which means out of, and then ireo, which in Greek, which means to carry. So it literally means to carry out of. Jesus came to carry you out of the power of sin that held you captive. And he came to bring you into freedom. But you needed him to carry you out of it because you couldn't do it yourself. It's like your legs just didn't work. You had no power to run. You had no power. To, you were like in a burning house and you couldn't move. And Jesus came and he rescued you out of that burning house. He gives you power and freedom now where sin no longer has to control you. It doesn't have to have dominance over you. He gives you freedom from ignorance to grow and what it means to know him and his character to reflect that character to others. And he gives you freedom to serve. Paul found his greatest mission in life serving Christ. Our greatest mission in life is not being a doctor or a lawyer or a manager or a delivery driver or a teacher. Those are all important things. But our greatest mission in life is to serve Jesus in those things. That's what he wants to do, and that's what he's done for you. Will you let him carry you today? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have carried us out of this life, this burning house that was all around us that we had no escape from. And you came in, and you carried us out and set us free. And you don't set us free to run into another burning house. You set us free to help others to get out of their houses. To warn others that, hey, your house is on fire. To help rescue others who don't know how to rescue themselves. To be the hands and feet of Jesus around us. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us in that because that's the greatest freedom we could have is in serving you. Not living our own dreams and our own desires, but in serving you. And I pray that like Paul found that, we would find that for ourselves in you too. It's in Jesus' name we pray and thank you. You made it possible through the cross. Thank you for doing that. In your name we pray.